answer. Bitch! My hands are starting to get a little bit red there. I just I, I sometimes like how in pop music they just will randomly start clapping to fill in some noise. <laughs> you know, uh and sometimes clapping is good. I mean there's countless pop songs that use clapping. There are a great deal of pop songs that would be that could be significantly lengthened and probably be better because they're shorter. Yeah. You know, absolutely. No wait, did I say lengthened? Well, this whole intro is going into into the trash. All right. Well, with that, welcome everyone to the Wages of Cinema, which is not trash because I'm Jack and I'm Andrew, and we try to bring you quality every single episode that we record for you guys. Um, <laughs> Hasn't worked so far, but we're, 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 we keep trying. We keep trying. We keep trying, Lord. Oh God. Um. So I don't know what we'll start with. Uh, do we start with our uh viewer email or uh yeah viewer email well viewer i mean listener email if again like i've said in the past <laughs> yeah. i keep messing this up if somebody's actually viewing us then then they're sitting in this room right now or looking staring at us while we record uh, not saying a word maybe just... well you know if you ever seen x-men 2 i mean nightcrawler seems to have a way of getting into a room when no one's looking so our viewers include nightcrawler uh, yes. A few creepy people who sit around the table <laughs> and just stare at us. Yeah. Um, but the world of podcasting, there's much more to it than just the listening part. Yeah. But um, but we got a couple of emails from a faithful listener, Gabe Rodriguez. How you doing, Gabe? And hey, Gabe. Uh, and he uh, asked us a couple. He asked us a couple questions about maybe possible episodes that we can do. He listened to our little discussion last time about christploitation yeah not to be confused with christian exploitation. christploitation is trademark wages of cinema 2016 exactly um and he gave us a few examples i don't know if i should read them all off no um, but he brought up a lot of uh, great uh uh religious uh movies some religious theme movies the ten commandments one of my one of my big favorites gospel according to matthew which is a movie i haven't seen yet uh i really need to see that movie though yeah of course you bring up uh you have to bring up bergman like so he brought up the seventh seal and a little movie i really like called winter light um a couple movies i have not seen but i've heard of he brought up a movie called taste of cherry which is by this iranian director uh named abbas kirostami and this other movie called Afterlife, which I've also vaguely heard of. The other thing, though, I was curious about is War and Peace. I didn't really know that was a had to do with spirituality. Maybe, I, maybe it does. Well, uh, you, then we're on the same page because I haven't seen War and Peace. No, haven't seen it. Uh, haven't really had <laughs> exactly enough time in my Should life be good, to read though. the book. I mean, Omar Sharif. Oh, was he in the movie version? Yeah. Okay, because there are a couple. He's not di- in the book version. No, if that's what you mean. <laughs> he he retroactively went back in time and placed himself in the book, <laughs> the Omar Sharif edition. Um, yeah, no, I mean no, but there are a couple different versions. I think the one, uh, yeah, so the one you're thinking of is from the '60s, Pro- uh, possibly. Yes, or, yeah, because I don't think it would have been from because there was also a version in the '50s. Oh, I think that's the one Gabe was talking about. Maybe. Um, uh, oh, he said any version, but I prefer the 1956 one. Oh, okay, one. good. Okay. Yeah, because I think there's one. There's a version of the 60s. It's almost like four hours long. 
which I assume is what you need to do to do justice to that book. Oh, wait a minute. Or am I thinking of Dr. Zhivago? You're probably thinking of Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> yeah. Wages of Cinema. We talk about movies. <laughs> Sometimes the wrong movies. Um, but he, the other email was about experimental cinema. Um, or he asked us more for the question, how do you define, quote, experimental cinema? And, of course, he brought up examples like Eraserhead and Unchin Andalou, which we've talked about. Because yeah. we have a surrealism episode. If you haven't checked it out, go back, listen to that. It was pretty cool. Um, he brought up certain examples, which I guess you could say are somewhat experimental in technique, uh, certain techniques. But they're not really what I'd consider experimental films. He mentions 2001 uh, Monty Python movies, Terry Gilliam films, uh, Terrence Malick films, which, uh, by the way, later on in, the next, in another episode, I may bring that up again. Um, he brought up Freddy Got Fingered, and he put in parentheses, yes, I'm serious. Wow. I I haven't seen it, although I'm truly intrigued by the idea that you think it's, it's experimental. I really want to hear your reasoning <laughs> behind that. Well, if you ever read Roger Ebert's review of it, actually... Of all things, I think Roger Ebert's review of Frey Got Fingered was the first time I ever heard of Unji and Andalou. Because he says, this movie may be some kind of surrealist masterpiece, but it will never be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that line, just because it's, like, it's such a memorable... Or it could be, you know, it, uh, you know there was the whole idea that Unji and Andalou was meant to shock and discussed people yeah that might be what uh tom green was going for with his movie which you know i have seen it and in like what when you talk about experimental i mean you have like scenes where tom green is just you know his father comes home and he's just in his living room <laughs> playing an organ made of sausages and they're like sausages all over the room yeah. and of course the scene everyone remembers is Daddy, would you like some sausage? And he just sings it and plays it. Because I don't know. I mean, were you old enough to see when Tom Green was on MTV and no. had his 15 minutes? Well, first of all, I, I didn't have cable. Ah. Uh, I, I was aware of who Tom Green was, and I do remember trailers for Freddy Got Fingered, even though I don't think I knew that's what the movie was called. Hmm. It's like, and I remember that scene being in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the, there are a lot of weird things in that movie. It's actually, I don't think it's quite. Well, let me put it this way. It's not particularly good, but I was entertained watching it. Uh, because, I mean, there are things in that movie that you just... Uh, you, you can't unsee that movie. Like, that movie features things like... and Well, you, don't you, spoil it. No, that's that's true. I should... Let me put it this way. It's it's very much an R-rated movie. But we'll consider that, Gabe. Thank you for uh, sending us uh, those questions. And... Um, and by the way, he sent us those questions to our email address, which if you want to do that, you know, take out your keypad or your little phone and type in wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, that's all one word together. Uh, you can also send us a message on Facebook. Uh, we're on at the Wages of Cinema podcast. We're also on Twitter, and we're getting a, 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 some more extra followers uh, in the past several days, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and also Instagram, we're on there too. I like to post certain little fun pictures to do with the movies. And uh, at the last local vocal podcast I did, I posted a picture from the view I had where I was recording from, which was pretty cool. I felt like King Kong because I was like way up high in uh, <laughs> New York City, <laughs> overlooking all you little ants walking around. <laughs> 
And lastly, though, make sure if you're listening you're, you're to You're like us, Orson uh, Welles in The Third Man. What if one huh. of those little dots down there? Oh, moving? yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you want to... If I told you that each of those dots was worth a certain amount, would you... You know, take them out. Free of income tax, my old man. Free of income tax. <laughs> and right, um, right. i got to rein you in. All right. And so if you want to check us out, you're either listening to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. If you're on iTunes and you have an Apple ID, uh, give us a rating and give us a review. It helps our presence on iTunes. Uh, we're getting a few uh, good reviews going on, which is pretty cool. And Yeah, um, more and more of you are... T- are uh, are helping us out, giving us reviews. We really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who has done a review. Indeed. Um, and so with that, let's move a little bit on with the show. You have a bit of a milestone that you have passed, right? Before we get to the milestone, though, I want to talk about the the big news that's been in the trailer sphere. The trailer oh. uh, trailer sphere? Um, Are we going to call is, it the trailer is it, sphere? Is it big the news, The trailer though? park. Is it big news, though? Um... State your name for the record. Jin Erso. Forgery of imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. I mean, we saw a trailer for Rogue One. Yes, uh, you couldn't escape it. It was, you know, every time... There was a teaser for the trailer that was just a few seconds of a stormtrooper turning his head. Yeah, well, that's that's what they... <laughs> you can't, like, they can't just release the trailer. They have to give the teaser for the trailer. They did that for Ghostbusters, also. Yeah, it uh, is a tad ridiculous, although I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm never too worried about hype. Why, why not? I don't know. I just seem to kind of just immerse myself in it, and I can let it swirl around me like a like a sandstorm, <laughs> like a big bubble bath. Yeah, kind of a, like a that. bubble bath of hype. Yeah, you like I, the, I, you like to have all those hype bubbles hitting your brain and making you go ah. I think that's more of your experience. Well, uh, but, but maybe it was. But um, I mean, you saw the trailer. Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, what, I, your, what what did you think when you saw it? Uh, I mean, it, it looks like Star Wars. It looks pretty Star Warsy. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm at the point where you know, because you know, maybe it's just because I'm having a tiny bit of Star Wars fatigue. You know, we just had months of Force Awakens, uh, which is uh, you know, it's out on DVD now, by the way. Yeah. Um, which also you can't escape if you go to a store. There's a whole place lined up for DVDs. Um, and I'm sure I'll check out the DVD at some point of that movie. I'm sure there's a documentary on it that's pretty entertaining. I was thinking of buying the force awakens on blu-ray and i I was pretty set on doing it but then i kind of had this moment of thinking about what did i really think of the movie (laughs) and so you suddenly stepped away from the hype uh the hype storm i i I stepped away i I got out of my own head yeah and i was thinking and i was looking back and i'm like well i did have some problems with the movie and do I really feel like it's something I have to? I'm gonna watch over and over again because I, I'm on a podcast. I, I I run a tight budget, uh, so yeah, we're we're. we're and not, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna drop thirty dollars for a Blu-ray, I tend to think about it. <coughs> uh, but 
Yeah, I was I was seriously considering, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I could put this off for a little while. Yeah, well, also, I mean, you could wait until the price drops or something a little bit too. Maybe you yeah, could, maybe you could pick up a used Blu-ray at FYE or something. But going back to Rogue One, I mean, it, it looks it looks certainly entertaining enough. I um a couple of the nice things that I could say about it. I mean, you have somebody like Forrest Whitaker in there. I'm sold. Right. You know, he always he usually makes things better. Uh. I think that it's just that, you know, we, again, it might be that Star Wars trying to do a little correction with, uh, you know, not, not correction, but, you know, we had three prequel movies, um, you know, at best they were, you know, all right. Uh, and this movie is technically a prequel immediately to episode four. For those of you who don't know what it's about, it's about the group of rebels who go to steal the plans from the Death Star. And Spoiler then, alert, they succeed. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> I, 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 you that's know, always a challenge. It is a challenge. Here's the other thing, too. I'm, I'm a little suspicious of whether this movie will be good because the director of the movie is... Uh, let, let me make sure I get this guy's name right because, uh, you know, sometimes you... You know, I get this guy confused with the director of the raid. Um, Gareth Edwards, who made Godzilla. Uh huh. Now, if you remember, the trailer for Godzilla looked fantastic. It did, at but it's that first teaser trailer that came the out. The one that used the music from two thousand and one. Well, the other one used the music from two thousand one. I mean, I mean the one with the, the the voice recording of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, yeah that that was pretty cool. That yeah. was a great teaser. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm getting a little suspicious. Like, what if? You know his material. Yeah, the tr he makes stuff great for trailers, but then you see the movie and it doesn't quite live up to what it's building up to. Well, that's that's a danger with any trailer. I will say there. Are, I mean, there are little things that impressed me quite a bit. I mean, um, I forget her name, but the one of the only, literally, like one of the only other female characters. There may be like three or four female characters total, and I, I'm in, I'm including Princess Leia in the original trilogy. Yeah. And one of them, who's in Return of the Jedi, pops up in Rogue One. Yeah. She's the one who's like, many Bothans died to bring us this information. Yeah, whatever like, whatever the hell her name was. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she has a name, and I'm she sure... She has... Some... <laughs> she's but... even less known than Admiral Akbar. No. <laughs> well, at least Ad Admiral Akbar... Oh, maybe Ak that's why I should buy the Star Wars DVD, so I can see Admiral Akbar again. Yeah. By the way, that <laughs> actor just died recently. Ah. Which is sad. He actually did the voice of Akbar in Force Awakens as well. Cool. He's like 92. Um, but yeah, I was impressed that they found an actress who looks... Almost exactly like her. Yeah. So that's was, nice. Now that you mention it, she did look exactly like that actress. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't looking at the footage side by side, but I mean... Well, I have a pretty clear memory yeah, of in that my, actress. In my memory, I was like, man, she, she she really does look the same. And she maybe looks maybe just a year or two younger than the actress, which also fits the storyline. And was it strictly necessary? Not really. No, it's, it's one of those character... little... No, it's one of those little nuggets that, of course, they put in there... Because, I mean, this is the thing. I would love to see a Star Wars story that, okay, even though it takes place right before New Hope, you know, give us some new characters, which maybe this movie's going to do. This is mostly new characters. Yeah. Actually, I think maybe Biggs might be in it. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe, again, I it looks entertaining enough. I'm just feeling a little Star Wars fatigue. Like, maybe this could have come in another couple of months. 
Like, you know, what you have to build up the hype for another like nine months until the movie comes out and then and then next year we're gonna have episode eight and then we're gonna have another spin off movie and another and another. It's like you don't really have that anticipation for a new Star Wars movie. Like, you know, imagine if we were in the eighties and we had to wait three years between the end of Empire and Return of the Jedi. Hmm. You make a good point. I mean I, I shudder to think of a world where we get sick of Star Wars. Uh, well, no, I mean, it, I think it's going to happen. I eventually. You you bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> when we get a new Star Wars movie every year, I you don't think the so. The only way. All right, you you have a point. I mean, now, a now Star it doesn't Wars mean that we're film a year that that that's a problem. Yeah. The only and now I that guess... doesn't mean we're gonna now it doesn't mean we're gonna get episode movies every year. Um, and, you know, some may be better than others. Uh, it's just, um, y- the anticipation won't quite be there. Like, you know, I, granted Disney's going to pull in money either way, but there, I, I just don't see this ever, nothing will ever be the same after Force Awakens. The well, hype for that movie was just, you know, nothing can match that. Yeah. Barely anything can match that. I mean, maybe Phantom Menace had a lot of hype too but uh, i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm being like too pessimistic i don't know i'm just like well you do have some valid concerns i think though we let's pull back from that a bit okay let's focus on the trailer now two things noticeably missing in this trailer okay one fights in space um dog fights well maybe two no lightsabers well, they wouldn't fit. Probably not. No, no. And that that is intriguing. Like the more I think about parts that are in this, it is more of like a war mission story. Like it's almost like a Star Wars man on a mission. Plus, you like also a Star have Star Wars Guns of Navarone. Yeah, uh, I mean, you I also see Guns of Navarone again. That that was a good movie. That was a really good movie. Um, you also have Felicity Jones in the lead. I'm. It's inter- here's an interesting thing. Apparently, I didn't even know this was going on on the internet. Uh, good old internet, full of people who you really wouldn't want to meet in real life, who are complaining that you know we have another movie with a female lead. We have Ugh. another movie with a female action hero. Didn't we just have this with Ray? God damn it! Are we gonna have another Mary Sue? Ugh. And you know, I here's the thing. I'm not. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Like, in of itself. My one little concern, and again, this might be assuaged by the time I see the movie, Felicity Jones is the actress who they got for this for this character. I mean, I haven't seen her in a lot of things. She she was uh, Stephen Hawking's wife, uh, Sally Hawking. No, Sally Hawking. That's an actress. Uh, maybe Jane Mrs. Hawking, Hawking was her name. Yeah, Mrs. Hawking in The Theory of Everything. And seeing that movie, and then seeing her here, I just can't quite place it. So I have no problem with a female lead, but it's just the casting of it. Again, you might not care because you don't really know who this person is, so she might work for you better. Two different kinds of movies, You know what's... One interesting thing I didn't know until today... So there's, like, I guess this robot in the movie. Okay. Uh, Apparently that's Alan Tudyk. Really? Like, in motion capture. Well, that seems intriguing. That made me a little bit more intrigued, yeah. You know, because he, he's a great voice actor. He's fooled me many times into thinking that he's someone else. Oftentimes, I think he's Steve Buscemi. 
<laughs> like in Zootopia. Oh yeah, he messed you up on Zootopia. I remember now. Yeah, and I think also Wreck It Ralph. He had the same thing. So I'm excited for that. Again, like the more I think about little things, I yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you mentioned also no dog bites in space. Maybe that wouldn't be possible either if you know the rebels might not have um like and may, again maybe the trailer isn't showing us everything. Yeah, you're that's, absolutely that's what right. trailers do. But I mean. I'm not complaining. I mean, if there is no dogfight, fine. You this, know what this as movie... As long as this is a good movie, you don't need to shoehorn those Star yeah. Wars plot elements yeah. in there. You know what it is? You know what this... It's like... It's a strange thing because with video games, for example, we get Star Wars video games left and right. There are so many Star Wars games. Like Battlefront, I think, was the last big one. That was... Yeah, that was a rec- big... I mean, I've, I've read recently. a lot about that game being a big deal. Um, if, like, it was such a big deal that there was even... Uh, Either it was the Battlefront game or it was the Episode 7 game where there was like some... I forget, I'm not even going to go into that. But, you know, what happens if, you know, maybe there's a, comes a point where it's so saturated that it's like... Not so much that, you know, we're, we don't care about Star Wars, but it's like, ah, another Star Wars movie. Okay. It's it just like... It to be special. Like, you know, we get a Disney movie every year. You know, is there anything special about that? No, but that doesn't mean that we don't look forward to them. Hmm. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, again, I, have we gotten fatigued of the Marvel movies yet? No, but there could come a time of that. There could always come a time that that could happen. That's always on the table. But I mean, we've had the Marvel movies for nigh on a decade. All right. Are we tired of them yet? Um, no, I guess not. No, we're not. Uh, maybe I'm just putting up a fake argument. I don't know. I, I it looks ex- I, it looks exciting enough. You're not wrong. I'm just saying, from what we have now, I mean. Do we have anything to be afraid of right now? Not. We can be concerned about really. some things, but right now I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I think again one thing that we'll be lacking, and I guess this goes for any prequel, but especially this one, which is literally like a three point five movie. This is like is, there's is no like suspense. A, this is like a midquel. Midquel it's between the prequels well, and the yeah. sequels. Well, that's like I I have a friend who watches. Uh, this show, Star Wars Rebels, I think yeah. it's called. And that's also a kind of mid-cool series between episodes three and four. Like, Darth Vader is a character on the show. Princess Leia pops up here and there. Um, so I guess you could say that that's this kind of movie. I'm just a little concerned that... not. This is my only concern, is the fact that there's because there's no suspense, how does the movie build up some suspense? Um when you know what's going to happen with the plans yeah. of the Death Star. I guess you can get invested in the characters in the short term. It's just If they have a scene at the beginning where they say, where it's like, we got the plans to the Death Star, but then things got wrong, went wrong for us. Maybe that, right? maybe that could work. If they could, if they could somehow like preface it with like the outcome and then go back in time I, if we could, and if we can feel something for these characters, if we can really get behind them, and if they're sympathetic, uh, likable people, yeah, I mean, we can care about them, and that's going to build suspense. We're going to care about them and want to see what mm. happens to them. I yeah. that's uh, I. You know what? Actually, is something interesting for me for this movie. This will be the first ever Star Wars movie not scored by John Williams. Hmm. I am very curious how that will turn out, because you know he. Uh, that that's a case where, you know, you you just think John Williams, you think Star Wars. What is this? Is this new guy? His his name's Alexandra Desplat. Um, 
and he's done a lot of he's done a lot of good scores for movies. He did the score for for uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I know that for sure. Uh, like he did the score for actually, I never did the score for Godzilla, which I don't even remember the score for that movie. The op- the Godzilla theme main theme was really good. Mm. Oh, actually, he did a lot of scores for movies we like. Uh, Argo. All right. Um. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the King's Speech? Yes. Okay. That had Beethoven's seventh in it. Oh yes. Well, he didn't compose that. No. <laughs> Uh, but so I don't know. I, I guess I'll see it. I'll see it. You know, it's a new Star Wars movie. It's playing out I, there. Of course, we're gonna see it. <laughs> I guess I don't know what else to. You know, it is like I could try to pick apart the trailer piece by piece, but I just kind of watched it, like, and it wasn't the kind of thing where I was like, "Ooh, like this is different." Like when we did our trailer blitz, right? You know, I included in there, uh, you know, things like the, tra- the the trailers for Hardcore Henry and uh, Suicide Squad. And I feel like those kind of trailers, and we're just let's just talk about the tra- how the trailer cuts together itself, like that. Br- those brought me in more than the trailer for Rogue One, which okay. you know tra- the Rogue One trailer. It's okay. Here's this image. Here's some, uh, here's some stormtroopers being blown up. Here's like an Imperial Walker doing stuff. Here's you know this guy uh, standing in Imperial garb. Here, here's some things here, 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 here. It didn't really. It wasn't innovative in a way that made me go like, "Oh my god, I can't wait for Rogue One." I was just like, "Okay, all right, fair enough." <laughs> I don't know. Have I exhausted this topic enough? No, nah, you've uh, you've said some pretty interesting stuff. Okay, no, and I'm not just I saying think you, that no, because no. I'm your co-host. That's good. Well, I'm I'm not just saying that you said some interesting things because you're my co-host. Right. You're telling me that because your life depends upon it. That's true. By the way, there are guns armed at the sides of the windows, and if I make a wrong move, Andrew will fire. The um, viewers in the room are going to jump jack at the, the, at, just, at the least I, sign from me. I'm just reminded now of this one little bit in Wayne's World 2, where this is a random thing, but like this guy who's helping organize this uh, rock concert is describing what's going to happen during it for some of the stagehands. And he's like, now there will be two armed machine gun turrets on each side of the stage. I have given all of you cyanide capsules in the event of capture. <laughs> and then, of course, Garth asked him at the end of it, when did you turn to a nut bar? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we talked about Rogue One a little bit. Now, tell me about Superman. All right. I mean, uh, I've been thinking a lot about Batman versus Superman. Which I guess I mean I don't know how much else what we could say about it. Because... No, there's nothing else we can say about it. I've been looking at, I've been watching the reviews, and basically everybody is saying the same thing, could, in I, varying degrees. Yeah, we, I mean I, we said basically the same thing everybody else is saying, and it's not like we saw the reviews. We yeah. saw it the night of, and we came right home and did our thing. Yeah, but that's I, not the the thing that I think is important. I was thinking about how this is a kind of inferior vision of what Superman, the character of Superman is. Well, it's not really, it's not how, you know, actually it's funny you bring this up because I, before, like just really briefly when it comes to Superman V bat, that, that story, uh, a friend of mine posted the other day on Facebook, this quote from Zack Snyder, who I'm really starting to hate. 
Like, you know, I don't mean like I'm feeling a little bit annoyed by his movie, so maybe I'll see the next one. No, I'm really starting to think that this guy is a punk. Well, don't, well, don't never get too deeply into a into a director's no, uh, but but what and, he no, but but their what, interviews no, but he this is it kind of tied in with people who are trying to bring up some valid points to him about like choices that he made with. Uh, uh, his movie got like in short he basically said like the version that i've done of of superman is canon if you follow the comic books it's canon people know it's canon P- maybe if you follow the movies it's not quite canon but you know i'm more of a comic book guy and that just really made me mad <laughs> because i've read a good i haven't read a lot of star of books but i've read a, enough to know that now I, I'm it's, gonna make the argument. I mean, how old is this interview? It's from like the past week. Okay, so I mean, but you know, Batman vs Superman is still in theaters. He, at this point, he's not gonna criticize his own film. Maybe not. I mean, especially after the big drop off that that Batman vs Superman had. Well, that's continuing. Like this is the third week, and usually with these kind of big tentpole movies, at the least they get you know number one for like three weeks in a row. That got toppled this week. Or at least for the moment, it might be like a neck and neck race. But this new Melissa McCarthy comedy called The Boss is number one this weekend over a movie that has Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. What kind of world do we live in where that happens? Well, but the point is, though, you're talking about how this Superman version, as opposed to the version of Superman, which millions of people have grown up with in 1978's Donner movie. Yeah, I saw 1978 Superman for the first time. I'd seen parts of it, but I I finally went back and saw the whole thing. And I know people say you can't do this kind of Superman anymore because I don't know if it's because we're too cynical nowadays or what I will say what's different now than it was back then is that comic books have undergone a great deal of change since the late 70s. Oh, yeah. And then our view of Superman is somewhat different. We don't necessarily see him as just this sort of pop icon. He's more He has greater significance to people as a character. Yeah. And so Christopher Reeve's Superman is a little outdated. But and it is and it isn't. Yes, it is and it isn't. Because you know, watching that movie, I realized that was the best Superman you could make. In the late 70s. Right. With that tech, with the special effects that they had. No, that's, I don't mean special effects. Oh, you know, not, you, know, you I mean with story. I, I mean with story and character. Okay. You could not have done Superman better. Yeah. For that time period and how people thought of Superman, that was the best Superman. Well, also, you, uh, the other thing that ties in with that in taking into a bigger context, I mean, Superman comes out a year after Star Wars. And I think that a number of people, rightly so, kind of put, kind of put Superman in with that category of movies, which you know changed the kind of idea of what a blockbuster is. Because Superman was a huge, huge movie, and for the reason that you have this movie coming out of a time period where a lot of people were coming out of Vietnam, you come out of a really a big recession and oil crisis and all the other things in America, and all of a sudden, oh my God, it's Superman. Yeah, and like the same thing with Star Wars. You got back into fantasy again, and what seventy-eight, what Christopher Reeve Superman does is just makes this really charming, really he smiles. Yes, we have a Superman that <laughs> smiles. 
<laughs> Which is wow. You you imagine some kid watching the Superman of today and then going back to the seventy eight version and being like, Wow, this guy is actually kind of sunny. Yeah. And, and approachable. You know, it's like you have as opposed to the Superman in Snyder's movie who, you know, saves a whole bunch of people and is kind of touched like he's a god and he's just standing there like, Yeah, I did my job. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I, I, all right, I saved you from a roof. There you go. It's like a chore yeah. for that. In this one, though, and he was a great Clark Kent, too. Christopher Reeve was. And, yeah. You know, it just makes me feel so, you know, so melancholy over Christopher Reeve and, you know, how interesting of an actor he was and how unfortunate it was that he had yeah. his uh, that he ha- that he had his accident that paralyzed yeah, him from you, the neck down. Yeah, if you you should check out a movie that he did in the early '80s uh, called Death Trap. It's I've heard this, of that. It's the Sidney Lumet movie with Michael Caine. Uh, it's a based on a play. And it's this very kind of twisty uh, drama, and Christopher Reeve is really good in it. He was. He, I also saw another movie with Christopher Reeve called Noises Off. Where it's uh, Michael Caine is in that film too. Yes, he's in that movie too. Oh, okay. Along with Carol Burnett and uh, a whole bunch of other people. I won't even go into everything. But maybe you talked about on the podcast. I I think I did. Yeah. Okay. But but he has just natural charisma. He's really he plays well with Margot Kidder in the movie. Yeah. Who also makes for a very good Lois Lane. Right. Um, And you know Lex Luthor and you know his his little his henchman Otis. They're they're campy, but they're still they're still fun. And Lex Luthor is a legitimate threat in that film. He is. You know, uh, he actually he's has understated. Even like the performance is a little campy, but he's not like chewing the scenery, unlike somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the red capes. The red capes. I still coming. say Jesse Eisenberg was pretty pretty good. In, he was good, but he was acting Superman. in another movie. Yeah, he was acting in Batman and Robin. It's like a wormhole opened up, and Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> stepped through. <laughs> oh, this isn't my universe, but I'm going to keep on going as if I'm at home. <laughs> yeah, it was. He entered a teleportation device and was like. Oh, um, I'm in this dark movie. I love it. I love bringing people together. <laughs> um, no, no, but Gene Hackman is really good as Lex Luthor in that movie because he, yeah, yeah, he's playing it up a little bit, but like Jack Nicholson as Batman, it's a similar thing. He Nicholson prob- Joker. Yeah. yeah, he probably saw what Hackman did and thought, I could probably do something like that where, yeah, I'm having the time of my life, but I'm still playing somebody who is a threat to this character, is a threat to the uh, world. The world. Um, and, and even uh, though his plan is completely ridiculous, oh yeah, I mean, we buy it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and again, as you we said... We get what he's trying to yeah. do. Yeah. It's he, understandable. We can grasp it. Yeah. He's not, he's not talking about gods and, and creating no. a, an unbeatable monster for no discernible purpose. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to harp on things and say that everything back in the past was better, but somehow Zack Snyder and everybody else working on this movie, you can't place it all on Zack Snyder. No, I mean, you also had a studio which kind of enabled him. It's kind of like the, uh, um, you know, it's like the, it's, it's like the drunk guy sitting at the table who, you know, nobody wants to go near him, but everybody knows that he's going to come, you know, come off the hinges at some point. I don't know. Maybe but, that's a weird comparison, but um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, but it's not hard. It's a to, fun movie, and it's not hard to understand. No, 
No, it's not hard to understand. It's I don't even think that... in the best meaning of that word. Here's a good question for you. All right. Is it even, even though we know, obviously, logically, because there's that big kind of setup in the start with Marlon Brando and Krypton and Krypton's destroyed and all that and little Kal-El comes to Earth, it almost seems like in Superman, the whole thing about him being a, quote, alien isn't that pronounced. Well, no, that's because he looks like a regular human being. Yeah. I. It's just like, in that movie, if Superman, sa- Superman says, oh, I'm actually n- not from here, I'm from Krypton, you'd be like, They'd be like, oh, and they'd pretty much accept him as he is. I mean, he looks like a human. He does all these cool things, but I mean, he looks normal. Yeah. You know, it's, that's the fact that he's from Krypton is pretty much be, be, be beside the fact yeah. that, you know, he's just here and he's really awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I just don't understand why, how people don't get Superman. Uh, well, Zack or, or, Snyder uh, really didn't. And David S. Goyer, the screenwriter, just didn't get the And that other of guy ideal. who worked on Argo. Well, Chris, well, I think he was brought in to bring in that CIA plotline or whatever Maybe. it was. I, you know, it's this idea that, you know, Superman in the, you know, there's actually this very long article, which I should send you on this website called birthmoviesdeath.com, written by this guy, Devin Faraci, and he wrote this whole thing about how, you know, Zack Snyder's kind of taken away Superman from us because of the sort of things that Superman is supposed to, ideal that we're supposed to aspire to be superman I and that was in man of steel a little bit that 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 note that you will give that's what russell crowe says he says you will give the people of earth uh, an ideal to aspire well well he well which is a great idea well he spells it out but then does the movie actually show that no does superman does does batman versus superman show that no no so they don't pick it up again. And you don't really and you can't really say like a lot of people try to excuse man of steel like, well, he's learning on the job. You can't say that at all about Batman versus Superman. Yeah. You know, and you know, you watch the Christopher Reeve Superman, yeah, it's a little dopey, it's a little bit goofy. You know, he literally saves a cat from a tree in that movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, but that's something Superman would do. You know, you know the if he idea, was just flying yeah. by and he saw like a little girl trying to get the cat out of a tree, he'd be like, "Oh, here you go. Here's your cat." Yeah. Um, it's not out of character for Superman to do that. You want to, you you know, a lot of kids, especially for kids. I mean, like, you know, imagine like a little. If you were like four or five, if you are four or five year old Andrew, and your parents take you to see Batman versus Superman, it's like, ah, it's Batman Superman. Who cares? And then you get this movie that is just like. It's shot to look like Children of Men oh, or yeah. something, you know, just very drab without color. You know, it's just you know, no, there's no color to the Superman. I know we talked about that in our review, and I think Matt Catania also brought that up in his written review. But yeah, it's just and yeah, I think... in Richard Donner movie, yeah, it couldn't be made today. But there's a certain, but there's a charm about that. I mean, you could also say that you couldn't make It's a Wonderful Life today. Well. Uh, um, to, in the extent that it was a, made at the time it was made. That's a different conversation altogether. I do want... Uh, I, do, I do think another thing that's important to to think about when we're thinking about Batman versus Superman is the, this idea of that comics are not for children anymore. Well, it depends which ones, because certain yeah. comics are made. But I mean, back in the 70s, even, even then, comics were a medium primarily for... Teenagers and children. It was the 80s where things really started to change with that. I mean, in the 70s, you did have underground comics, and that was when Batman also... Even before Frank Miller, the 70s were when Batman 
comics, I think in a reaction to the TV show, started to try to make him a little bit darker. I think I'd heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. But Superman but comics still, it were was, still it's, yeah, it, it, real, they primarily were, for but children. No comics back in the 70s were as adult or as mature as they are now. And well, I think, and it's good that movies are trying to follow that cue, that we're trying to take these characters who are who initially were created for children, but are bringing them into more of an adult sphere and giving them more complex dilemmas and issues to deal with. That's yeah. great. And I think, you know, superhero films have tried to do that a lot. Yeah. Some of them do it very well. Some well, of them don't. Well, the movie that I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how this movie turns out in about a few weeks, but a movie like civil war, you know, you have someone like captain America who I think is, I wonder if we were kids, if Captain America would fill the role that Superman did for people in our parents' generation. Probably not. I don't know. You don't think so? Captain America seems like the kind of now upstanding hero who, you know, is, you know, just wholeheartedly a good person who's out to do things. I was barely aware of Captain America when I was a kid. I mean, Superman and Batman were the Yeah, but that's because you didn't have, like, big movies well i mean now that we have big movies yeah captain america has come more to the forefront he's a major character anyone can say who captain america he's is. not as big a symbol as superman in a way he's not a, he's not as powerful as a pop icon okay as as batman and superman i mean yeah no that that that, that is everybody true. knows who batman and superman are hmm. not everybody knows who captain america is and now they more yeah. people do but still, there's gonna you, you're likely to find somebody who who won't know anything about Captain America. You might be right. Yeah, more, uh, but you know, and Batman versus Superman was trying to aspire to this more adult, mature vision of the of these characters. The problem is, is that in in an effort to go to that to that length, they threw away a lot of the stuff that was important to the characters in the first place. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that that's the key thing. It's like you you miss a lot of the key. Uh, philosophical and, you know ingredients if that's the word to use and i think it is i think uh and now dc is you know they're kind of disappointed in in how batman versus superman is doing which is you know it's I, well, it, well they're it, more it'll disappointed. make its money but it won't oh it already it has yeah but it's I made mean, like 800 million dollars yeah which but the thing is though hollywood has these warped standards it's like you know, yeah, it made money, but it didn't make Avengers money. Or Star Wars money. It didn't make, you know, the key thing now for these studios, because they're all in, you know, uh, genital measuring contests, is, uh, I didn't want to say the other right. word, but, the you know, the, the big thing is a billion. And if it's very likely this movie, which, I'm going to repeat this, has Batman and Superman in it, won't make more than a, mil- a billion dollars in oh, the box that's office. that's a shame. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, no, 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 exactly. That's how I, I fit deep down. Like, oh, isn't that too bad? Um, poor baby. Yeah, poor baby. Um, now, who knows? Maybe they'll go from here and make better movies. Now, that, that's the, that's what I've heard. I mean, they're trying. I, Suicide Squad is doing reshoots right now. You read about Apparently, that too. Well, to, to add more add jokes. jokes. I wonder how <laughs> true that is, though, because it seemed like from the trailer that there will be jokes in the movie. And it's, it's, but it looks more like a dark, super darkly comedic. I don't want to see, like... The problem I'm, I'm foreseeing I with hope, this is Will I, Smith throwing out lots of quips. I hope they throw in a pie fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what movie actually had a pie fight, but it was cut out? Like, Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. 
that would have been so crazy to see a pie fight at the end of that movie. My <laughs> fear, I can walk. Ooh, this is tasty. Pie, 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 pie. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Donner Superman? No, I think I've said what I've had to say. No, I mean, again, as you've said, though, it is, there are things about they're pretty goofy and kind of nonsensical. Again, if you, uh, there is a great Honest trailer of the Superman movie that came out recently, and they brought up a couple of points which I didn't quite think about, like, with the, him, you know, trying to bring Lois back, and he brings Lois back to life by literally spinning around the earth to turn that, back time. You're not, that's not going to make any sense in no, any world. No, but uh, but no, I, I would, you know, it's still one of the major movies of its time for a reason. So, if you agree with us on Superman, <laughs> send us an email to wageofcinema at gmail.com and all the other social media we mentioned earlier. Um, we're pretty uh, good? Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> um, I was thinking maybe talking about a couple movies I watched in the past uh, week or so. No. 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 Come on. Okay. Come on. Get look at this face. Would you would you say no to this puppy dog face? I would, but all right. I'll okay. Um, speaking of movie with uh, really good actors in it, I saw a new movie called Eye in the Sky. Which is boring. Oh, you might say that. Well, you don't I just think did. About it. Um, do you know what it's about? It's about the sky and an eye that's in it. No, that's a different movie. So close. Uh, well, in a way, it is. Like this is a uh, seriously though. Tell, it's me, a war, tell me what's about. It's a war on terror movie, but it's told through the sphere of something closer to uh, the movie Failsafe. Which was the series version oh, yeah, of, Doctor, that. of Doctor Strangelove? Well, failsafe, you know that movie's all cutting between different perspectives of like the president and the cabinet and the pilot and all these different places where you know this catastrophe is about to happen. Is there any way that we can avert it? And um, in this, it's like there's this uh, ha- there's this one house in the Somalian village where these terrorists have gathered together to prepare for like a suicide bombing. But you have this plane flying overhead, which has like a camera on the house, and then there's also like this little. Apparently, there, it's this thing now with like these little bug bug uh, devices that can fly into a person's home and have a camera attached so that people can see it. So like a little beetle flies into this house, and they can watch everything that's happening. So they're like this British cabinet, and actually, this was by the way Alan Rickman's final live screen performance. Um, so it's notable for that. Also, Helen Mirren's in the movie, uh, Aaron Paul. And all, you have all these people now trying to... S- I have a bug drone. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, I'm in the movie, Andrew, and I'm not amused. Um, and, uh, yeah, and they're all just trying to decide, okay, do we strike this house and, you know, kill these terrorists, but in the process also, like, take out this... You know, nice girl who's right outside the house who's selling bread. Sure. End of the movie. There we go. Well, then we wouldn't have a movie, would we? <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> this is a very suspenseful movie. I actually like this quite a bit. Um, you know, it had a lot of more ambiguity. You had to weigh the different options of do we let these people get out of here so we don't blow up the other you know, innocent people who are around here, but then what happens if they blow up something 
but do we kill, like, if we can minimize and make sure the scroll doesn't die, do we just go ahead and vomit? So there are all these questions that go back and forth, like a movie like Failsafe or, you know, in a joking way, Strange Love. It's just, you know, how do you practice patience in, like, a high-pressure situation? How do you wait? You know, because most people don't want to wait to do things. So a really good movie. Um, so I just wanted to talk mention that because I think this guy was quite good. A movie that wasn't quite so good is this movie from called Schizoid, which is a Klaus Kinski movie from the early 80s where he plays a uh, a psychiatrist who um you think might be a serial killer, but but he's really might just Klaus Kinski. Well, that's the thing. Like it's this movie where all these women keep on sh- like dying and, you know, it's like a giallo in that you don't see the guy who's doing it. He just has the black gloves and all that BS. Um, and the thing is, at first I'm like, man, you know, why put Klaus Kinski in this? Because immediately I'm going to think he's the killer. <laughs> he, you know, I mean, look at him. You could try to tell me everything you want that he's not the killer, but I'm going to think that. Um, also interesting, Christopher Lloyd's in the movie. And the filmmakers, I think, also try to make you think at one point that he's the killer just because he's, Both like, are viable options. Well, he's very subtle, but also weird. He's, like, the guy that's, the like, the, the guy that works on the boiler room <laughs> in the basement. And, like, at one point shares an elevator with the lead female character and, you know, is not being creepy, but also being if, really creepy. If they had factored in Steve Buscemi... Yes, I, if they had we would have had three viable suspects. Yeah, pretty much, and it doesn't quite go where you're looking for, but it's just a standard movie that I wish was better. Because if you have Klaus Kinski in this movie, who is kind of acting his ass off, and he has this as Kla- as Kinski does. Yeah, I mean, like in the movie, he has this daughter who he's trying to uh, he constantly is fighting with, and his daughter is really kind of unhinged. And uh, I won't say too much, but there is a scene where. Like his daughter, you know, his daughter is in trouble in a in a garage, and he has an axe and is trying to break down the garage door. And anytime you see Klaus Kinski freaking out in a movie, I just you know, ah, uh, so good. Get you all nostalgic. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, just request: were there any movies you saw in the past week? None that I want to talk about. I mean, I talked about Superman. That's good enough for me. Okay, well, just a couple more quick things I want to talk about really fast. Um. I recently, when I did the uh, Cinema Immersion Tank, I talked about Happiness, directed by Todd Salons. He did another movie I watched uh, called Storytelling. Uh, what's interesting about this movie is it's split. It's a. It's not very long. It's about 85 minutes, but it's split into two parts, fiction and nonfiction. And basically, in the fiction part, uh, it like it takes place in a creative writing class, and uh, the whole point that leads up to it, like this girl has this. Uh, Rather, you know, like very provocative sexual encounter with her professor and then tries to use it in a class. But then everybody kind of hates it. And <laughs> and the professor basically says to her, well, it doesn't matter if it's uh, true or not. Yeah, everything you write becomes fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the second part of the movie is called Nonfiction, where Paul Giamatti is doing this documentary about, quote, the teenager experience in high school and focuses on a guy who I'm serious. His name's Scooby. Cause I guess the filmmaker wanted to have him named Scooby doo. Sure. And, um, and that, that, that part 
like I want to say too much more about it because you should just see it. I I might even like this more than Happiness overall. But at the time I was watching it, I didn't. Like it was after the movie ended that I thought about the movie more and I realized, wow, this is actually mostly a brilliant movie. Hmm. And I love feeling that sometimes because I I'll watch a movie and I'm thinking oh, this isn't quite working for me. I don't know. Maybe that's really weird. Oh my, wow, where'd that go? Jeez. But then after it's ended, I'm like, huh, yeah, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, so that was one of those types of movies. Has that ever happened for you? Never. Never? You've never actually, you've never ruminated? I bet if I thought about it for a little while, yeah. I think I've said something. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Um, so that was storytelling. And then I watched one more movie called The Big Parade, which was a silent movie about World War One. Huh. And I won't say, I don't know if I could say too much about that, except that England wins. Well, I guess so. <laughs> I need to re-up on my history. <laughs> the war ended, people died, the end. Um, Influenza outbreak. Yeah. Uh, Germany gets into poverty, uh, things like that. No, um, it, it, I feel like this could be paired up with All Quiet on the Western Front as far as like the first movies to really brutally deal with World War One, and this movie again it's silent, so there's a lot of real pure cinema going on. Uh, the ending doesn't quite work for me. Uh, for those who end up, if you ever catch the movie somehow, uh, you'll see what I mean. But it's it's kind of it's what I love about the movie though is that the first half is just watching this guy kind of fall in love with this French girl who he meets while he's kind of hanging around in Paris and. Uh, you know, needs you know he's waiting around to go do something because nothing's happening, and all of a sudden, on the flip of a dime, it, all of a sudden, oh, we need to go battle, go 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 go, and then the second half is just total brutality, just complete decimation, but shown for what it is, and I really appreciate that. The, even back in mid twenties, because I expected, oh, all right, it's probably gonna be just some rah rah, go go at him. We had fun in World War One, and no, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the slogan for World War One. We ha, rah, rah, We rah. had fun in World War One. That's a great bumper sticker. That's <laughs> that's an album cover. Yeah, you would have you'd have like a still from All Quiet on the Western Front. And yeah, we, we had fun in World War One. There. <laughs> Trademark Wages of Cinema. Exactly. We, um, eventually, we've got to just like every time we say, "Oh, that would be a great album name." We have to like just make the album cover and post it on our Facebook page. We should make a uh, uh, the way that you had the idea for lines from Linus. Yes, we should have like, <laughs> and then each one each album, album has like a single from the album. <laughs> yeah, we could come up with like a single that would be appropriate for that album. So, so the we won. World... We 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 had fun in World War One. The the hit single is uh, Franz Ferdinand. We have Franz Ferdinand as a group. I know. Yeah. I know things about music, Jack. Mm. And then maybe Franz Ferdinand can cover Franz Ferdinand. See? That could be even weirder. Um, Coming soon to the Wages of Cinema. Yeah. For, for, uh, we, we won. All right. So anyway, those are some movies I watched recently. Uh, again, we, we recorded not too long ago, so that's what's going on with that. Um, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a subject which um, is good. It's very important. It's the, the most Im important subject we've ever talked about on the Wages of Cinema. You won't believe how important. It's so profound and magnificent. Inc incredible. 
and prof and profoundity pro incredible profound it's incredible bound i believe you all right stay tuned